portions of this podcast may not be suitable for children. Listeners, please be advised. If you want to change the future, then you are going to have to trouble the present. William Booth. You're listening to the Think Twice TV podcast. And this was night and day different than anything I had ever experienced. I was humbled and even embarrassed. I really felt God knocking on the door. You know, I was an atheist and I thought that science was the right way and anything else was just silly. It was just, you know, like fairy tale really is what I thought. God had a plan for my life. And I believe when we lose our life is when we find the life that God wants us to have. Hola, shalom, and jambo. Welcome to the show. I am your hardworking host, Dan Henderson. This episode hits close to home because we'll hear from a really cool brother named Christian. His struggles with substance abuse also mirrored my own. A lot of people are surprised when I talk about my past. Yeah, it's true. I was an alcoholic and a drug abuser. I couldn't live without the stuff and it nearly cost me my life. You can hear my full tell-all testimony story back on episode 8. Also, check out a page on our website for more great resources dealing with addiction. You can find that at thinktwicetv.com forward slash addictions. Well, enough about me. This episode will also feature the biography of William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army. Well, I know you're busy out there, so let's get right to it. Well, my name is Christian Layden. I'm a man of God and a servant of Christ. This is who I am. This is what I do. So thankful to be able to have this opportunity, and this is my story. Growing up, I didn't have my father around, and he had much at all. And I, I grew up as a kid, we moved around every year or two, so I was always the new kid. I was always searching for acceptance. My mom, she struggled. She was uh, working two jobs to raise me and my brother up. Some of the earliest memories I, I found when I was in third grade, I remember writing my mom uh, letters, uh, suicide note letters, and telling her I didn't want to live anymore, telling her that I didn't feel good enough. I started fighting a lot. I got really angry with a lot of people. So there was a lot of damage that was there from not having my father and things like that. And so after about three years of that and going through a lot of depression and sadness, started listening to metal music, heavy rock, hip-hop music, rap music, and, and all this death metal and all this all this uh, music that was starting to get strongholds in my life. So I started to get these different mindsets and they started to creep in and they started to group into me about partying and doing drugs and getting women and living this sort of lifestyle. And I was tired of not having friends. I was tired of not being a part of anything in this world. So I finally went to a football game only football game I ever been to uh, during high school and I seen some of my brother's old friends so they asked me if I wanted to hang out and smoke weed with them and, and just because they wanted to hang out with me I was like Heck yeah man I want to hang out with you guys like man, there's somebody who wants to talk with me there's somebody who wants me to hang out with them that wants me to be around a reason why people wanted to hang out with me and that was drugs and it was alcohol it was more important to be accepted and things like that, so I would accept anything that came along with that. Three months into me drinking and smoking, um, I ended up in a psych ward for telling my family about me cutting myself that I did for years. I just went through all different kinds of different uh, 
stages in my life and trying to be somebody I'm not. I mean, it's just been a eight years of different institutions, drinking AA, meth and CA, heroin, rehabs, Xanax, halfway houses, different kinds of pills, psych wards, partying, CMA, all sorts of institutions. I knew how like destructive it was for me, but I just couldn't stop. It was just all bad. I finally got locked up and it was the best thing that could have happened to me. Being locked up, God humbled me. He put me in the belly of the fish. <laughs> he put me, he got me locked up. No way to get out, um, no bail. Cause I knew I needed God in a radical way. I needed Jesus to save me from myself. Things have gotten a lot worse than they had ever been. So I know in my heart that I needed God in a mighty way. I grew up in church, people telling me, you know, Jesus, says this and the Bible says that. And, and I just got so annoyed inside of myself that I was like, man, I don't care about what anybody says, man. I'm tired of hearing about this Jesus dude. For the first time in my life, I desired to pick up a Bible and read it for myself. And I started reading from Matthew and I knew that it was my only hope because I tried everything else. I called upon him, started reading the word and the Holy Spirit started to show me all these different things and show me how he was real. And I started doing prayer groups and Bible studies and and just helping people. And it was a prime place to just be, be in ministry. It was amazing. Even the pastor in there, he had me preach two Sundays instead of him. So I got to preach in stripes, which was amazing. A lot of people that never would have gone to church, went to church and God's really showed me without me, you are nothing. And I'm so glad he showed me that. And I always remember that. God is just doing mighty things and he's just been so amazing in my life and his love has transformed my life, has changed my life and, and it is just leaves me no other choice but to serve him every day. And I'm just so glad to be a son of God that we do have a real father that's out there that has the power to help us to back up his love. His love isn't just some desire that has no action toward it. He has action toward it every day and it's fresh today. And um, he is just, his love is just amazing. He is amazing. He is worthy to be praised and sought after every day. And his plans that he has for those who love him um, are just amazing. And, and it looked, and my life had an appearance of a dead situation. Everybody had just, nobody else could help me. And I believe God waits for that moment because he wants you to know that he is the one that will be there always. He's, he's there to help when nobody else can help and he loves you and how he just wants to be with you and to converse with you and just have a conversation and he'll meet you right where you're at just how his mercy and his grace and his love met me right where I was at when I had nothing to offer him but me he didn't ask for any other thing he just asked for us and he'll never ask you for something you can't give and he'll, end, he'll never need you to do something that you're not able to do. His plans for you are fresh every day. His love for you is fresh every day. His grace to empower you to do that which you are never able to do is fresh for you every day. And it's just amazing when you, when you just live this and stay active and do it and abide in His Word and, and have you and your life and your will just mingle with the Word of God and Jesus. Um, it's amazing just how beautiful your life is. God bless you and uh, let's just live for Jesus. 
Want to share your true life story? Let us know. Message us at thinktwicetv.com. Don't keep a good thing to yourself. Share this with your friends. Post it on social media or go old school and tell them about it in person. Ladies and gentlemen, enter the ring with us as we explore the lives of average people who became extraordinary leaders through the power and presence of God. Welcome to Heavyweights of the Faith, brief biographies of great believers who changed the world. William Booth was born into affluence in Nottingham, England in 1829 but his family descended rapidly thereafter into poverty. When his father could not pay for schooling, William was apprenticed by a pawnbroker. Soon Booth was converted to Methodism, and he declared, God shall have all there is of William Booth. He trained himself in writing and oratory, and he preached the gospel with his closest friends. The following three decades would seem like a hodgepodge of disappointments and false starts unless one looked closer at the hand of God in these events. He began pawnbrokering, but was miserable he did lay preaching on the side, then open-air evangelism on the street corners. He joined the Methodist Reformed Church, but became increasingly dissatisfied when they assigned him to pastor it. He longed to be free to preach evangelistic campaigns. About this time, William married Catherine Mumford in 1855, a woman who was apparently in full support of his desire to launch out independently. When he resigned, Methodists barred him from campaigning in the Methodist congregation. However, some missionaries heard him evangelizing and invited him to hold a revival on the ancient Quaker Cemetery on Mile End Waste. He began preaching often to the poor and destitute on London's East End, ministering to even alcoholics, criminals, and prostitutes. The work could be discouraging, and many hurled stones and set off fires during the meetings. His wife said he often arrived home in the evening with torn clothes and bloody bandages wrapped around his head. Booth's Christian mission became the Salvation Army in May 1878. Booth was dictating a letter in which he claimed the group was a volunteer army. His son heard this and declared, I'm not a volunteer, I'm a regular. So the Salvation Army was birthed. What was considered a bit eccentric eventually proved to be effective for the Salvation Army. They produced uniforms, had a flag, military ranks, rousing music, and military orders. Of course, Booth himself became known as the general. This initiated many programs for the needy, such as Food for the Millions, a soup kitchen, job training, industrial schools, homes for fallen women and recovering drunks, because many of them were not allowed in churches. The primary mission remained preaching the gospel to whoever would hear it. Salvationists, who immigrated to other countries, began writing to Booth of the need for a chapter here and there, and Booth quickly responded. Operations were set up in the United States, France, Switzerland, Australia, Canada, India and South Africa. During Booth's lifetime, the Salvation Army would spread to 58 countries and colonies. And Booth's book, In the Darkest England and the Way Out, became a bestseller in established philosophy and a structure for ministries such as his. Of course, there could not be such a burgeoning ministry without some opposition. Alcohol merchants feared he would hurt business, so they attacked marches against drunkenness. Several Salvation Army members were killed in the clashes. In the year 1882 alone, 662 members were assaulted. 251 females, and 23 under age 15. The press in the Church of England were often hostile toward the Salvation Army, and among their charges was that Booth and his wife were becoming insanely wealthy through a phony ministry front. Nepotism was charged when Booth placed many members of his family in leadership positions. It was claimed that Booth could be rigid and dictatorial, 
He was criticized because he placed women in leadership positions when they proved dedicated and competent. The Army's motto, blood and fire, was misrepresented as glorying the blood of sinners and the flame of hell. The actual meaning of the motto was the blood of Jesus and the fire of the Holy Spirit. However, it was impossible to argue against the great good that Booth's ministry was doing throughout the world. Public opinion began to soften. As he reached older age, he was invited into audience with kings, emperors, and presidents. He began losing his sight in both eyes, and his right eye finally removed in 1909. In spite of this, he campaigned in the United States, the United Kingdom, Germany, Italy, and other nations. He died at age 83, and 150,000 people said to file past his coffin as it laid in Clampton Congress Hall. He had completed his mission. Special thanks to Inspirational Christians for use of their written biographies. Please visit inspirationalchristians.org for more biographies and articles. We all know the name, the Salvation Army, but to better understand just how incredible they are, listen to some of these numbers. Last year alone, they served nearly 30 million people in the United States. They can be found in 131 countries, and they consist of 1.8 million members with their mission of doing the most good. Another great quote from William Booth here, the tendency of fire is to go out. Watch the fire on the altar of your heart. Anyone who has tended a fireplace knows that it needs to be stirred up occasionally. Hey, thank you so much for listening. As always, I'd like to leave you with a scripture before I go. This is from 1 Corinthians 1.9. We have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding.